I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, my beautiful people? This is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and this is Cowboys Talk. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to recap the game. Wiley, what's up, brother? Well, I watched the whole game, every single snap, as you could imagine, and like many people... I was just floored by how many opportunities the boys got and what they did with them, how it was squandered away, and how a team that many people thought was a division-winning tier team pissed away so many advantages they were given. It's going to be an exciting episode of Cowboys Talk. Well, unfortunately, this game is hard to understand, but despite all the missed opportunities, somehow the Cowboys still could have won. But, of course, it had to come within less than two minutes to go. And, of course, none other than the GOAT himself does it. It's one of those situations where Tom is in a position to engineer a comeback. But was it ever really actually supposed to be there? Because when you look at the game, Cowboys miss extra points. They missed field goals. Tampa had some laughable turnovers. Was this game even really supposed to be this close? No. Tampa was way better. They had a significant advantage all the way through. And if you just sort of look at it holistically, this is a huge missed opportunity from the boys. This is a choke. It is, but... I mean, in our case, we have to admit, Dak Prescott looked pretty good. Scott looked good, maybe, but you know what my focus on this game is? Zeke Elliott, 11 carries, 33 yards, fraud, soft, garbage, nose rings. Those are the games that I think about in terms of, oh, it was Denver when Zeke choked. Oh, it was Tampa when Zeke choked. This is a guy that gives up all the time, wasn't there during the big downs. If you look at the later part of the first half, Tony Pollard was the guy. Tony Pollard was the guy who was in there on the big downs. Zeke Elliott, in order to be found, showed up at fullback, wants this game to be cute, and they gave him a pity first down. Other than that, what did Zeke do? He was soft. The Cowboys' offense, as I've been saying for years, is predicated off of the offensive line and the ground-and-pound game of Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott is too soft to be given the ball and relied upon, and the Cowboys are going to falter. There were a significant amount of runs early on where as soon as Zeke Elliott saw contact coming, he intentionally went down to the ground. He got his head down. He was falling down to the ground before he was hit. And this really neutered the running game early on. This is a big reason why Dak got so many yards, but another reason why the Cowboys were not able to win. If you look at this game, the Buccaneers gave the Cowboys every chance in the world to win. We're talking goofball, tip-pass fumbles. We're talking fraudulent, gimmicky fumbles from fucking Ronald Jones. We're talking disgusting, out-of-character interceptions from TB12, despite the fact that one of them was just a Rambo Hail Mary. The Cowboys, off, the Cowboys offense was given one opportunity after another to succeed. The defense was spoon-fed opportunities, and even though they were able to capitalize what was in their lap. They didn't do anything more than that, and it was basically given to them on purpose. 
that the Cowboys take advantage of this, what was essentially plus four turnover margin, which should be over 90% win rate? Fuck no. Zeke quit. He gave up. He looked soft. He didn't care. He looked as though he was thinking about his next piercing, and he wasn't really paying attention throughout the game. Dak did play relatively well. Cooper and the incredibly talented C.D. Lamb played pretty damn well. Other than that, I don't really feel like there's a lot to go off of here. Even though it was close and they were the Super Bowl champions, you don't really feel good because this was a game that the other team did everything they could to give you and you pissed away the opportunity and still managed to lose. Even though the Cowboys were a lot closer point-wise than people expected, this is a disappointing game for me. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Are you feeling disappointed as a Cowboy fan? We both predicted the Cowboys to lose by over 10, and they were leading going into the last two minutes. So are you disappointed, Alex? Yes, I am disappointed because I feel like right now, this very fucking second, Wiley, I should be puking. And I mean puking my words out big time. And I am not. And look, yeah, those turnovers, okay, first of all, let's be honest, that turnover, that first turnover was a tip pass. It's not like Tom Brady threw it directly at our defense. Tom Brady is not that stupid, okay? Agreed. Yes. Both, those... of, both of the interceptions were a gimmick and undeserved, but we still got them and didn't capitalize. Well, the second interception, even it was like that, you know what, at least one of our guys actually made the catch because it still could have been a touchdown from the way it went. Gronkowski, oh. if Gronkowski had been by himself, I guarantee you, Gronk would have taken care of it. But, yes. Second interception, just a lollipop to Gronk at the end of this first half. Yeah, it's an interception. We don't run it back, but we don't let Gronk score either. So you can sort of memory hold that one. But the first one, tip tip past nonsense. And throughout the game, there were a lot of very easy tip passes that Brady's receivers made unforced errors on and could have easily predicated Cowboys drives. We look back at this game and sort of think to ourselves, Oh, it was close. Well, how close was it relative to how many fucking free chances the Cowboys got? Cowboys should have won this game by two touchdowns. They didn't win at all. They heckin' lost. See, so is my it... point right there. When we get that, yeah. that first inter- that first fumble, we should have scored. Instead, we miss a field goal. Okay, so it should be fourteen to fourteen. Then we get the interception. Okay, that should have then that makes it twenty-one fourteen. Okay, and then after that, our defense shouldn't have fucking let. Antonio, I mean, whoever it was, I think it was Antonio Brown getting wide open, just like that, and then have that score. So at halftime, we probably should have been up 28-14. to 14. Totally agree. A couple things that jumped out at me. Antonio Brown embarrasses and burns the Cowboys' corner Brown. This is a player who I specifically said in my This Week in Fantasy series, Antonio Brown would score a touchdown. This was a great matchup for him. He totally had the advantage here. And when you look at the Cowboys secondary, this was a huge mismatch, and he knew that the Buccaneers were going to be able to get a big play, and they did. What really jumps out at me about this game was how many opportunities the Cowboys wasted, whether it be fumbles or interceptions or goofy three-and-outs or plays that could have been big or could have resulted in a first down, but Dak made unforced errors and threw at people's feet. There were five plays in the first half where receivers were open or had the ability to make a big play, and Dak threw behind them or at their feet to the point where they had no chance of making the play. 
Even if you compound these with the laughably high amount of Buccaneers' mistakes, the Cowboys still lost. And I think that says a lot about the Cowboys because Bill Parcells always used to talk about the turnover differential and how it affected win percentage. He would always say, like, if you're at a negative one, it's minus 30%. If you're at a negative two, it's at a minus 52. It's like the more you turn it over, the harder it is to win, right? Everybody knows that. The Bucks were at a horrific turnover disparity this game, and they still managed to win. Why? Zeke is soft. Dak's arm is bad. And when I say bad, I mean bad permanently, not like it's a little banged up. This is a guy that can't complete the mid-range pass because he lacks talent. This is a guy who had his, his shoulder barking at him for a long time. This is a player that lacks talent, lacks the fundamentals and charisma to lead a team past the first round of the playoffs. If you can't win these sort of auto-win games where you're just horrendously ahead in the turnover category, not because your defense is talented and you got freaking Lawrence Taylor out there causing fumbles and wreaking havoc, but because Tom Brady's throwing people perfect passes and they're knocking them up in the air for your defenseman to gargle, to fall into the lap of your defenseman for free turnovers. You can't take advantage of that, and then it happens again, and you don't take advantage of it, and it happens again, and you don't take advantage of it. Oh, you got the lead at the end of the game. Okay, well, you give the ball to Tom Brady with a minute and a half and a fucking timeout. What do you think is going to happen? You know, it's it's like you look at this Cowboys team, and for any idiot fan that looks at this box score and goes, oh, we were so heckin' close, so we're right there. Wrong. Cowboys are fed every step of the way. Should have been a fucking butcher's den. It should have been a blowout. Cowboys should have decimated and embarrassed the Buccaneers, shown them up on ring-giving ceremony, but what happened? They took free points opportunities and pissed them away with Greg the Leg looking like a high school tier kicker, horrifically shanking long kicks, screwing up the easy kicks, and putting the Cowboys in a position where it was a mere point differential they could manage at the end. And you know what drive really jumps out to me? It's that drive in the early part of the game where the Cowboys get into the red zone, it's first and ten, and they have two inconsequential plays and then an awful penalty. And that really set the tone because they could have gotten out to a lead and really set the tempo, but they screwed it up. What do you think about that? They did screw it up big time. But here's a drive I really want to talk about. The opening drive of the second half. Five fucking minutes, Wiley. Five fucking minutes, they burn off the clock and all they get is a fucking field goal. That is repulsive, repugnant, and in your famous words, Wiley, say it with me now, fraud, 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 fraud. fraud. And I totally agree. Although, Alex, like, that drive, as repulsive as that was, honestly, that ranks third. And just in the game, not like in Cowboys history, but in the game, I'm sitting here thinking, what are the drives that piss me off the most? The one where they get into the red zone and stall out for no reason? Or the one where they basically have it spoon-fed to them and screw it up and don't get any points. Yeah, that awful freaking drive where they only got the field goal was repulsive. But when you're looking at a Cowboys team like this, who lost in such a close margin, there is more than one drive to point at as far as fault, you know. So I think we can accurately spread the blame here. This was a Cowboys team that didn't have a fucking clue. This was a Cowboys team that looked poorly coached. And most importantly, this was a secondary 
that looked fucking clueless and afraid to hit, just like last year. And Demarcus Lawrence was the only lineman even pretending to pressure. This is a defensive unit where only the linebackers seem to have talent to do their job. This is going to be a persistent, pervasive problem throughout the entirety of the year. And this is something I feel as though we're going to be talking about extensively throughout the year. Big time. And as far, you know, and DeMarcus Lawrence goes, I mean, you know, the fact that he forced the fumble, that's actually a step towards playing better. Now, it would have been better if he had gotten a sack. And But then again, none of us, no, none of the players got a sack. I mean, we got times where we got close to Tom Brady, but every time, because Tom Brady's the goat, he finds a way out. But look. As, and speaking of Dak, uh, of finding a way out, there was a play where Dak Prescott was, I thought was going to get stuffed, but at the very last second, he turns what could have been a 12-yard loss into a 3-yard gain. Now, I know that's not big, but we have to give Prescott credit on that because there was four guys on him, and at the last second, he just dukes out and escapes. But not only that, while I think the special play, that fumbled snap, he, he calmly picks it up and then tosses it in the end zone for a touchdown. Even you have to admit, that was beautiful. Absolutely. That was intelligent. It was well played. And let me make something clear here. I'm not the sort of person who's going to ostentatiously lie about Dak and be honest and say that even when he makes a good play, he's bad because I don't like him. That's not the sort of commentator I am. No. And we're not like that, no. No, neither of us are. We, for Christ's sake, we want the Cowboys to succeed and do well. And that was a great play from Dak. And in general, one of the best things that Dak showed was it's his pocket presence and awareness. I think that this game, his accuracy was relatively poor, as usual, especially on a lot of like unforced errors. But in terms of not getting sacked, feeling the pressure, knowing when to run, he was great. But if you want to talk about feeling the pressure and knowing when to want, knowing when to run, look no further than the God, TB12. This was a guy who would fire the ball with an exceptional amount of zip whenever he was being even remotely pressured, a guy who understood the timing of crossing routes, how to hit his receivers whenever the Cowboys are playing zone defense. This is a guy who understood how to throw it away whenever he was being pressured. And this is a guy who understood at the end of the game when all you need is a heckin' field goal, you don't need to do a, a bunch of pedantic run plays back-to-back -back and risk a fumble. You just lollipop it out of bounds three times in a row. And that's one thing that I noticed from Tom Brady is, much like the StarCraft player SOS or Parting, he really understands how to win in terms of the raw mechanics of what to do and how to win a series as opposed to necessarily like, 30 seconds left and you're in field goal range, I guess you better run. Like Tom literally knew that, okay, I got four downs in 20 seconds. I'll just drop back and throw it out of bounds three times because I don't want to leave much time on the clock. Sure enough, the Cowboys are left two seconds. And I, I don't know how much Mike McCarthy practices the sort of like end-of-game Rambo plays, but it was just terrible what we saw at the end, even if it was just supposed to be like high-risk hook and ladder. I'm sorry, but like if you're Mike McCarthy there, you got to do better than that. You got to have a better, holy crap, we need one-point gadget-style play because... Having those guys line up and basically... You could have just run a kneel in the last two seconds for what that was worth. Mm -hmm. Last thing I want to say about Prescott. Well, this we both have to agree. The 400 yards, we can't say that those were not garbage stats. Those were actually very respectable stats. And even though 
he still struggles with a bit of the accuracy. I mean, I just looked it up. You know, 42 completions for out of 58 attempts. That's 72% completion. So, overall, I'm not going to say it was an elite performance. I'm going to say it was it was a respectable performance. It was it was good. I mean, we, we can't deny it. I won't deny it, even though I'm obviously not Prescott's biggest fan. I mean, Prescott played a whole hell of a lot better than I could have anticipated because, you know, because with the injury. But, you know, 400 I think yards, that- I, I mean... I mean, I'm just, I'm just so like astonished that you know two of our guys had you know over 100 yards. I mean, 20 catches for nearly 250 yards from our top receivers is pretty respectable. But in our case, the fact is this was not garbage time. This was actually during the game. So Prescott did his best, very best, to keep us alive because his defense couldn't do it. You're right about that, Alex. Prescott played an above-average game. He was intelligent and capable. Not exactly as accurate as you would hope, but certainly good enough to earn the win. And as far as offense goes, you have to give credit to Cooper, who is continuing to be a good route runner, a consistent, solid force for Prescott to build on. And the young, explosive C.D. Lamb, who not only shows flashes of brilliance, but the sort of grinding consistency that can complement Dak. I will say that Gallup looked a little lost. But if I were really to dole out blame here or try to figure out how the Cowboys lost and sort of do some sort of post-mortem, it's got to be down to Zeekers. This is a guy, soft, Zeke Elliott, 11 carries, 33 yards. In the first part of the second quarter, did you see Zeke out there? No. You saw Tony Pollard, even in big third down and... Uh, third and distance scenarios, third and short scenarios. What happened? Tony Pollard was in. The defense doesn't worry about that. It reminds me of that old Broncos Super Bowl where Terrell Davis had migraines and Shanahan told them, well, Terrell, if you're not out there, they're not going to believe we're going to run. So I'm going to use you as a decoy even though you have migraines. Same deal with Zeke. Zeke, you might have 15 pieces of metal hanging from that big, massive nose of yours, but if you're not out there, you don't believe we're going to run. And it was that sort of thing where Zeke is so soft and so incredibly infantile and pathetic that we actually see him pulled out of the game, and it hurts the offense. Because a good running back like Emmett Smith, Whenever they call a pass play, you know what? He stays in there on third and four and tanks it out and does pass protection. He sells the run. His mere presence makes the defense wary, and it makes the defense have to respect the run. But what happens when Zeke Elliott's out of the game and a shotgun on third and four and Tony Pollard's in? You think the defense worries about a draw? Of course not. And that's what we saw. Zeke Elliott, once again, not only showed up small, but whenever he played and was given the ball, squandered his opportunities. This is a guy, incredibly soft and spineless, who has not given a single motherfuck since he got paid. This is a guy who very clearly tries to get down before the first point of contact, who actually made a career seeking out the first point of contact and then grinding with his exceptionally powerful legs and now we see him essentially just quitting on the field like a fraud, given up. This is a guy who, since he got his payday, hasn't given a motherfuck, hasn't cared about his lineman, hasn't cared about his quarterback, hasn't cared about his peers. He spits on all of them. 
and only cares about the money. This is a really nasty shyster. This goes beyond just being bad or underperforming, but not trying. This is a really bad guy, and I'm not saying this off of one game like an ostentatious cretin. I'm basing this off of the entire last year, and since he got paid. Zeke has checked the fuck out. Think room 409. Okay, Zeke is gone. He doesn't care anymore. His mind is on piercings. So I gotta ask you, because unfortunately, what Wiley says is the truth. So I gotta ask you, is this a problem with an ego? 11 carries, 33 yards. This is all about Zeke's own ostentatious, self-absorbed, repulsive pattern of what he thinks about himself. And what I mean by pattern is this is a guy who put up a bunch of 100-yard games in his rookie year, and then, oh, he's real hyped, oh, he's real good, has a second year that's good, and then all of a sudden he gets paid. What do you see then? Oh, he's quit. Zeke's not playing anymore. Oh, he's not really hitting the hole with any ferocity. Not his old ferocity either, but, like, no ferocity at all. This is a guy that looks at a hole and says, well, how am I going to fall down on purpose after I get two yards? He's soft. Zeke has gone soft. He's a repugnant disgrace that should feel ashamed to wear the cowboy uniform. It's unfortunate. And, of course, people will argue that Tampa Bay's running defense is too damn good. Okay, you know what? Yes. that is, Okay, I'm not going to deny it. Yeah, Tampa Bay's running defense is spectacular but you know what that doesn't that doesn't mean that you should not even try him okay i mean with our offensive line even even with zach martin our, our offensive line okay our offensive line actually did good aside from the stupid penalty aside from the stupid penalty that tyron smith you know got caught holding on that play i mean th- that, that's another problem and of course that doesn't surprise us the fucking penalties but the offensive cool. the offensive line was aside from the penalties the offensive line was not a problem i mean Dak prescott got sacked one time Okay, Agreed. but but still, the, the offensive line was respectable. They showed guts. I mean, I mean, Connor Williams. I'll admit, even though he had that, he also had a penalty. Connor Williams was out there not quitting. Okay, and dude, okay, if you want to, if we want to talk about a guy who refused to quit, who literally committed and threw himself out there just for a chance to make up for past mistakes in this game, that would be Ceedee Lamb. I mean, we have to we have to praise Ceedee Lamb, even though he made mistakes, he made a couple of drops. He made up for them, or at least he did his best to make up for them. So that's the difference right now between Ceedee Lamb and Zeke Elliott. Because some people would say, "Well, Ceedee Lamb's a quitter because he never tried." Like that is not true. Okay, Ceedee Lamb makes mistakes, but guess what? He he's dedicated and committed to making up for them. That's Ceedee Lamb for you. I agree. I think the line looked good even yeah. though Zach Martin was out. The tackle specifically, Collins and Smith looked sharp. I think that Martin's replacement at guard looked fine. Yeah, they had the penalties. That shit's going to happen every now and then. The one that jumps out to me is repugnant is on the first or second drive on third and ten when they get that false start. I mean, at home, that's a death sentence. Like, if you're at home, the coach sits there and he's like, all right, you're going to run until I throw up. But on the road, it's not as big of a deal. Personally, I think the line did an above-average job, especially missing Martin. Although I do sort of look at the line and like sneer to myself and think like, oh, you guys did a good job missing one guy? Well, good luck. That's what's going to happen all season, considering the injury history of this line. I mean, I don't want to be overly cynical or mean-spirited, but how long until Smith, the left tackle, goes down again? 
This is a guy that hasn't been healthy in years. Can Zach Martin stay healthy? Obviously, we lost Travis Frederick to fibromyalgia. This is a line that I don't trust at all and is waning. Are we really going to pretend like they're going to be healthy for all 17 games? No, I certainly won't. I mean, it's it's, it's unfortunately true, but, you know, and that on, on Tampa's winning drive, I mean, there was that play where Chris Godwin supposedly got away with offensive pass interference. I mean, yeah, it was definitely, unfortunately, yeah, they got away with pa- offensive pass interference, but guess what? At the end of the day, it shouldn't have come down to that. Agreed, and I do think that was slight offensive pass interference, but it's like you're sort of an idiot Homer fan if you watch a whole game, and it's like, that heckin' 11-yard reception, that was why we lost. It's like they were, there was there was contact between both of them. You want to know why we lost? Look at Brown. Well, it's, it's like if you want to blame a single defensive play, look at the play, Brown versus Brown, where our Brown got embarrassed by A.B., it's like you didn't lose because of that 10-yard penalty where they were both pushing the crap out of each other. You lost because your defense is sopped across the board. The line, minus Lawrence, can't get any pressure. Mika Parsons honestly looked lost for the majority of the game. Parsons looked like a guy who has spent his entire career, from 6th grade to senior year of college, outrunning guys and using his athleticism to catch up and make up for lack of intelligence or lack of football IQ, I guess would be a better term. Yeah. And and then in this in this game, it looked like especially early, Tom Brady was like, all right, I'm going to target you. You're soft as fuck. Where's 11? I'm going to throw at this fucker. Mika's easy. I'm going to target Mika. Where's Mika? I'm going to throw at him. And, you know, for, you don't expect your first-round pick to be a liability, especially in a Cowboys defense where Last year, the whole damn near defense was a liability, minus Van Der Esch and Smith, who were merely average. Did you notice that Van Der Esch had a sub-500 pro football focus rating? I hate to say this, but, you know, maybe he's a little bit washed after that severe injury. Maybe Van Der Esch went from a Pro Bowl guy to a mid-tier guy. I mean, I really hate to say that and believe it. Hoping to get back to Pro Bowl status, but what if he doesn't? That worries me doesn't then you know we have to, we have to move on unfortunately and move on we don't have anyone else to go to and he just took the guy for christ's sake there's no one else on the defense to go to he's supposed to be the carry alex yeah that's bad that's bad if that's the option that's fucked that's like sean lee gone after three seasons that is horrific or in your words it's repulsive and repugnant <laughs> those are my words and i love it when you quote me yeah it but as far as the defense, you know, Jordan Lewis, I mean, there, there's a guy right uh, out, out there, you know, who went out there and was really trying to salvage, you know, wh- whatever piece of our defense was being, you know, destroyed. And, you know, he makes that very brave and clutch, you know, fumble recovery like that. And, you know, and, and Dallas just can't take advantage of it. You see, there, there go. That's, the, that's what you were talking about earlier. The opportunity is right there. It is. I don't know if I want to say that one was spoon-fed. I mean, that one did take an effort, but but still, I mean, regardless, yeah. But There were a lot of turnovers yeah. that were very – like the tip ball was like lol high school tier shit. I mean, Some of the fumbles were pretty goofy. The point is, is the Cowboys defense wasn't out here putting Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins level hits on motherfuckers, causing forced fumbles. This was a defense where – Tom Brady threw a lollipop screen pass that hit the receiver 
over in both hands and he shit for brains popped it up in the air. Let's be honest, the Cowboys defense was given opportunities and given an advantage to succeed. And whenever they give credit to the defense, as laughably easy as those opportunities were, they took advantage. What did the offense do? They let Zeke dive at the line of scrimmage and let Michael Gallup run the wrong route and drop the ball. If I'm the Cowboys offensive coordinator, I have to look at Michael Gallup and Zeke and be like, the hell's going on? How are you guys screwing this up? Because everyone expected the Bucks to win. And the Bucks gave the Cowboys four extra possessions, and the Cowboys still couldn't win. It's simply repulsive if you're a Cowboys fan. A lot of idiot casuals might look at the final and be like, oh, it was really close. We played the Bucks really close. No, you didn't. This should have been a three-touchdown game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whenever you screw up that many opportunities in a row, it's damning. I mean, uh, still, every now and then you see a, a fucking play that was like, why the fuck did Kellamore call that particular play? Like, like, like that play where Dak Prescott did a late shovel pass, late side shovel pass to Zeke Elliott, yeah. and Zeke Elliott got, like, beaten up? Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? Like, seriously, I'm like, I'm like, is, is, is he still have uh, that little sense of Jason Garrett in, in him right now? I'm like, dude, get it out of you. Well, I remember there was one situation where he lined up trips to the weak side and ran a bootleg to that side, and they got a first down off of a curl route, but I thought to myself, like, well, both of the safeties are playing back, and the linebacker blew the coverage. That was sort of a silly call still. I don't really believe in Kellen Moore. I don't think he's creative. I don't think he's intelligent. I don't think he has the mental capacity to come up with an NFL-style offense. And I think that as much as we criticize Dak and Zeke and company, a lot of the blame can be doled out to these moronic calls. Yeah, totally. I mean, even the, even the Tampa Bay running game, you know, wasn't that great. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it just doesn't do us any, any favors. And, and here, here there's some people on Twitter. I mean, look at that. Now all of a sudden I, I find myself, defending Dak because this guy is blaming the game on, on that interception. Luckily, yeah, that interception, if you ask me, it was probably on both CD and Dak because there was heavy coverage. It was like four, four, three on one, and then Dak threw it like that. But you know what? It doesn't matter because both guys did more than make up for that mistake. So, but, you know, like I said, you know, like it's pretty, it's it's simply straightforward. Those opportunities are handed. We don't fucking take advantage of it. That's what doomed us. I mean, we should have won this game. I sh- like I said, we should be we should be barfing our fucking words right now. Well, it's one of those situations where the other team gives you every single opportunity to win, and you just piss one opportunity away after the other, and you get to a point where it's like, well. <laughs> Are the people that said that the Cowboys should have lost wrong? Well, the Cowboys did lose, and they were actually given, like, three extra possessions and still lost. Like, you and me both predicted Tampa. I think I predicted Tampa to win by, like, 21, and you 17, and it's like, Tampa barely won. Oh, well, they did fucking piss away three possessions and give the Cowboys auto-score opportunities that resulted in missed field goals. I just want to talk about Greg the Leg. And how he reminds me of Mike Vanderjack in the sense that this was a super overrated established kicker 
who was supposed to come in and solve all of our woes, an established kicker who doesn't make mistakes, a guy who everybody knows his potential and how consistent he's supposed to be. And when he gets to us, he makes a ton of unforced errors and really embarrasses us and costs us games. Do you remember Mike Vanderjack with the stud in his ear and how much of a failure he was in the Parcells era? Yeah. Kind of make, I think more of Martin Gramatica, but yeah, I, re- I remember who you, who you were talking about. Well, they had to get rid of Vanderjack to get Gramatica. Yeah, exactly. That's why I tend to think more about Martin Gramatica. Well, everyone remembers Gramatica because he was involved in the fucking Romo play against the Seahawks. But before you're a hardcore Cowboys fan. I know you remember the fucking Vanderjack, him just missing all these kicks for no reason, all yeah, these errors. Yeah. yeah, that's what I. That's how I feel, because Marquin Gramatico is only ever this overly boisterous dude that blew his knee out celebrating. Vanderjack, if you remember, him and Vinatieri were like one A and one B. When the Colts were competing with the Pats every year, oh four, oh five, oh six, oh seven, these were the gods of those high-powered offenses. And when the Cowboys got him. The shit entered his brains, and he became worthless. That's how I feel watching Greg the Leg. This was a guy that was held up as the same prestige as Justin Tucker. So good. Oh, he can kick for so long. The guy's committing fraud at every turn. The guy's a joke. Look how much we pay him. He's one of the highest paid kickers in the league. He's making a fool of himself. And even if the Buccaneers still would have won this game... You're looking at it saying, well, Jesus Christ, why was it even a game? Look at the chances we had. Look how many fucking field goals we were spoon-fed. And that is really going to stick out if the Cowboys missed the playoffs by one game this season. Oh, remember that game where the Bucks turned it over a shitload of times and we couldn't cash in on the free points? People are going to remember that. And I think that's disgusting because when a Super Bowl defending champion hands you a free win... And you let your kicker piss on it. That's how teams end up with losing records. That's how teams end up, you know, 8-9. and nine, Twiddling their thumbs saying, How did the Redskins make the playoffs? How did the Eagles squeak in? Because he pissed away week 1 versus TB12. That's how. You're playing the defending champs and just threw up all over yourself. That's how you fucking aren't in the playoffs. I mean, that's absolutely well said. And you know, and I tweeted this. This got a bit of attention. I said, you know what, Dan Bailey's a free agent. Why don't we give the guy a call? I love it. But you know what, I doubt. You know what, I doubt. I doubt it's gonna happen oh, because yeah. Zerline did make that. You know that game. You know that gave us the final lead. I mean, he he gave us that, but but oh, still, I, I still want. Yeah, I'm still saying. You know what? Let's uh. You know what that's like, Alex. That's like in a week and a half when the Mets are five games below 500 and have been eliminated from playoff contention, and Edwin Diaz saves a game. It's like, well, hold on a second. Edwin Diaz saved us a game. I guess we better let him keep the job. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, the reason we're in this position is because he fucked up in the first place. You know they should sign? Like a 52-year-old David Akers. I'm not even joking. Let Akers nail everything from 40 yards and in, and let the chips fall where they may for the other field goals. We're literally to that point as kicker. And it's sort of disgusting, because if you look at the history of some teams at kickers, the Bills and like Miami College and whatnot, 
it's like, or uh, Florida State, rather. It's like, oh, we like have the shit-tier guy that makes a fool of us and ruins our games. Then you have teams like the Cowboys who have this god-tier guy who's supposed to solve all the problems, and it's like, oh, he's shit and embarrassed himself. And it's like, well, he's supposed to be good. Let's give him another chance. Oh, well, he's shit and embarrassed himself. And it's like, eventually, you're just paying $10 million for a bottom-tier kicker who has his brain broken like a bad closer. You know, you're paying $10 million for post-Chris Davis home run Sean Tolleson. What's the point? The guy's brain is mush. Kickers are like NFL closers. If they fuck up enough, their mentality becomes destroyed and they become worthless not only as kickers, but as humans. Because that's all they can fucking do is kick. It's not like Greg Zerlund's dropping back and throwing 40-yard bombs. This guy can't even kick 40 yards. He's a fraud. He's an embarrassment. So uh, that being said, you are 200% in favor of bringing Dan, uh, Dan Bailey back. No, I'm 200% in favor of bringing former Phillies kicker David Akers into Dallas. Akers is my guy. He always had more talent than Bailey, and he held many records for scoring. So bring David Akers out of retirement. I honestly think he'd be better than Greg the Leg. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? As long as we can get a kicker that actually won't fuck up, then... I guess I'm all for it, but I honestly doubt that Greg Zerline is going to be out of a job by tomorrow morning. Totally agree. This guy is so highly paid where there's no chance they're going to cut him. And I say the Acres thing is tongue-in-cheek, but ultimately it's like if you have a kicker that is going to hit everything from 35 yards and in, you're almost tempted to take that guy. You know, if his 36 to 55-yard capability isn't as good as it used to be or isn't that good in general then whatever but you can win a lot of games with an uber consistent kicker from mid-range what really kills you is the guys that greg the leg oh you know he's so good his legs so big and he misses like all the piss ant and mid-tier stuff and then you get in a position where you're going to lose if he misses. Oh, well, he made the last one. Oh, thank God. You know, he made the fifth 45-yarder. Thank God. It's like, well, we wouldn't even have needed that if he had done his job in the first. Oh, Greg the leg. Greg the leg. Just keep saying his name over and over. They pay him a lot of money. Greg the leg. Greg the leg's really heckin' good. Like, fuck off with that shit. Greg the leg's overrated. Greg the leg's a fraud. Greg the leg is hard-washed, Okay. I've had a belly full of Greg the Leg. And I'm not being some cretin who's like, we lost by a couple points, it's all Greg's fault. No, but he did make a lot of unforced errors, and he's not magically going to get better. It wasn't a real windy night tonight, you know? No. I mean, like, like you said, you know, a lot of people are not going to understand it, but, you know, of course, you know, that's what we got to deal with. But look, you know, those early forced errors, like, you know, there's no other way. I mean, and I have to give it to you, Wiley, because you described it better than me. You're handed the opportunity. It's literally like a free get out of jail free card. You fucking throw it in the trash. Like, like it, it's it's just that simple. Okay, and speak. And of course, speaking of David Akers, you know everything that comes to mind now is that little trash talking thing he did. Although at the end of the day, at the draft, at the you, draft. Okay, you know why it does not hurt me that he did that. You know why he doesn't hurt me because because he was in Philly for ten years and he was really good. And he's a kicker. Nope. It hurts less when a kicker talks shit. Let's be honest. It's well, like it's almost not only that, but okay. I mean, 
what would he know about winning a Super Bowl? Okay, he never won one. Yeah, he played one, but he did not win it. Drew, yeah, Pierce, like, Drew Pearson did. It's like when Andy Reid was reading his Waffle House menu and not calling timeouts with McNabb, I was like on the heckin' sideline, locked and loaded, with the 40th pick of the Cowboys. Like, I don't hate David Akers because he talked shit about the Cowboys that one time. Like, remember, David Akers tied the record for longest field goal, and then he went on to San Francisco and was God-tier after that. And he's one of my favorite players ever. And I think it's sort of silly to sit here and act like Greg DeLeg could even hold a candle to Akers. Kicking, like closing, is a lot about consistency. Not if you can hit a 58-yarder as opposed to a 54-yarder. A lot of it is about not screwing up the simple stuff. What do we see Zerline do tonight? Screw up the easy stuff. Screw it up to the point where the Cowboys had to even just get it one heckin' field goal to even have a chance. The Cowboys should have been in a position where the field goal was the last resort and it made Brady have to like go for two and tie. But what'd they do instead? Pissed away their easy opportunities. They committed fraud. They had soft-ass Zeke, MIA as usual. The dude has been missing ever since he got his contract. This is a guy who, as soon as he got his contract, the first thing he thought is, how many piercings can I put in my nose? He doesn't care about winning. He doesn't care about the Cowboys' legacy. He doesn't care about Zach's legacy. He cares about one thing, money. And that's why the Cowboys are losing. 11 carries, 33 yards. You know what? Now I think about it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know what? Yeah, let's. Uh, even though he's probably he he's probably like very more than likely to decline. I guess we can still ask David Akers. I mean, why not? But you know, it, it's 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 absolutely well said. I mean, look, I when we got Zeke, I was so happy. But you know, like you said, after he got paid, I mean, we didn't see anything. I mean, last year, I don't even remember. He had like, I don't even remember how many hundred yard games he had last year. I know he had at least probably like maybe he had like two or three, but. Soft. It's 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 just it's it's just unbelievable, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if it got to the point where where Tony Pollard starts to begins to start games. I mean, even a lot of fans are starting to say, you know what, Pollard should should start pl- playing more because you know what, people are starting to accept that truth. Zeke Elliott is showing that if he doesn't care, you know what, if he don't give a fuck, you can sit your ass on the bench. It's that simple. Well, remember four years ago when we heard this long-winded, ostentatious rambling about how, oh, well, the running backs just can't get paid. It's a high, highly expensive, expendable position in the NFL where if you're a good running back, they don't care. They'll just sign the next guy. It's so mean to the running backs. It's like the reason no running back gets a long-term contract is because once they get one, they quit. Like, look at Zeke. He quit. Look at Gurley. He's soft. He stopped trying as hard. It's like, this doesn't have anything to do with the depth of the position or how GMs treat people. This has to do with guys who get paid not giving a motherfuck and everyone noticing. You know, you might be able to get away with that in baseball to queef out a 268 average as Machado and be soft, but the NFL, when you're the bell horse back and five yards a game turns into less than three yards a game yeah people are gonna heck and notice and people have noticed zeke people have noticed zeke getting more piercings and not trying people have noticed zeke not caring you know every fucking year it's the same story 
Zeke is in the best shape of his life every single fucking week for the last three years. And you know what? I watched Zeke Elliott on the field. It looks like for the last three years he hasn't tried or cared even a little. I don't care how much he weighs. The guy clearly checked out. Well, it's absolutely well said. Well, I think we've got everything uh, taken care of. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Cowboys Talk is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Wiley, why don't you remind the folks where they can find you? You can find me on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Gab, at Venomous Stare. I make baseball and fantasy football videos. You want to go ahead and sub to all those. You want to sub to the Bear Man of Texas podcast, where I will be a reoccurring guest, and you want to leave it a five-star rating, a thumbs up, and whatever positive connotation you do on your appropriate platform. We're going to keep coming at you with the truth. This is a no-holds-barred type deal, all right? If you want to be lied to, 105 FIFA fans out there, if you want to hear the truth, keep it tuned in right here. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and folks, I beg you, you know, I shit you not, Wiley's fantasy football show is a must listen. When I say it's not fantasy football 101, and that's a good thing, believe me, Wiley teaches you fantasy football the only way it can be done. Isn't that right, my friend? That is exactly right. It's hard-hitting. I have a new guest every week. I try to build up the fellow owners of my league as characters in the series, and it's very entertaining. Not the sort of like long-winded, who-do-I-start type fantasy show. It's not like that at all. It's my own take on it. So if you like this show, you'll probably like that one. It's been going on since 2011, for Christ's sake. I've been doing it for a long time. Well, Wiley, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week as we preview Dallas' trip to Los Angeles. We will see you all next time. Easy.